Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Yeah. A little uh, Tom Petty for you in the house today. That's all I'm saying. Four people knew that. Uh, Anyways, can can I just give it up for those three guys? Man, that was awesome. Just totally. (laughs) I love that so much. Uh, If you're wondering what that was all about, we're in a series called I Declare War, and we're not going to back down to whatever the enemy wants to throw at us. Hey, baby, I will stand my ground, and I won't back down. Make sense now? (laughs) Four people. All right, anyways, uh, so glad you're here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here. And I just got to stop and say, uh, in the midst of all the other voices today, happy Father's Day. Matter of fact, if you're a dad, would you just slip your hand up real quick if you're a dad in the house? Look around, everybody. Give it up for all of our dads. Yes. I hope that you get to eat whatever it is that you want to eat. I hope that you don't have to go to McDonald's unless McDonald's is watching. And then if you'll become a sponsor, we'll, we'll be happy for to take all the guys to McDonald's afterwards. Uh, hello to all of our uh, people watching online today. Thank you so much for joining us. But I hope you get to eat whatever it is that you want. Barbecue, carne asada, steak, whatever it is that you're going to have later on. Big Red. Come on, somebody. Big Red in the house today. I'm going to have one of those. Some of you are like, nope, I'm going to have something else. Well... Go ahead. Anyways, um, we're so glad you're here. Happy Father's Day. And uh, hopefully you felt honored today. If you missed, like, halfway through that first part of the service and you missed the announcements today, can we just just talk about those announcements for a minute? I don't know if you got anything, like, if you learned anything about what's going on at our church, but that was just awesome, man. Uh, Totally awesome. There was slashing and jerky uh, chew going on. Uh, And by the way, uh, what they said was that um, feed essay uh, that we just did, um, those of you who are part of that deal, you gave money to it, you brought food to it, uh, 538,000, they said pounds and it's actually meals, 538,000 meals that uh, LifePoint along with about six or seven other churches and organizations uh, generated over the past month, Five, a half million meals for the city of San Antonio. Come on, y'all, that's big. That's really, really big. Really, really big. Thank you so much for that. And I just got to show you one picture that I just got like a minute ago. Can we throw this up on the screen? All right, just so you know, we support an orphanage in in the Philippines called Ima's Home. Uh, Last year during our legacy offering, we gave them $10,000 and one fell swoop along with money that we sent during the course of the year. And, and Jim Kilgore, who's the, who, uh, who founded this in honor of his own mother, Ima, um, he just sent me this picture. These kids came in this morning, uh, uh, 10 little girls. You can look at their faces. They're scared. They're nervous. They don't know what's going down. But I promise you, in about a month from now, you'll see these same kids' faces uh, if you follow Ima's home. And they will be smiling, and they will be loved, and they will be happy, and they'll be so excited. And I just got to tell you that because you guys give to this, and I just want you to see they have 105 children as of this morning and nine more coming in this week. Kids that are living on the streets, and I promise you in Manila, they live on the streets, in the garbage dumps. It's hardcore there, man. And because of you guys uh, and other folks like you, um, these little kids, these little girls this morning are going to be in the most warm and loving and kind environment. Can we just give Jesus a big old hand for that? Man, such a cool thing. Just had to say that. Um, Let me jump into the message. We're in a series called I Declare War, and it's based on a book by Levi Lusco by the same name. If you didn't grab one of those books, man, grab one of those books. Join us. We have a small group going on for that. Some of us are reading um, the YouVersion Bible uh, app. Uh, There's a a, uh, I Declare War reading plan there. Some of us are doing that, but jump in with us. 
Um, how many of you, just by show of hands, how many of you guys uh, and ladies love a good action flick, summer action flick? They come out in the summer, the best ones, right? Uh, any, any, um, any Avengers fans? Any X-Men fans? Apparently not. Any, uh, what's the other one? Justice League? Any Justice League fans? Okay, apparently not. Apparently Avengers rules the day. Um, those of you who are in my age bracket, which is slightly ripe, but still cool. Come on, somebody. Um, 47. Uh, do, do you remember Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner, anybody? And, and all, yeah, a couple of you. And then all through the background was Brian Adams' music. I die for you. Walk the wild for you. Remember this one? I die for you. There we go. First service left the brother hanging. No, it's true. Everything I do. Remember that one? Do it for you. Yeah, yeah. There ain't no love. I'm going to get into it now. Anyways, all right. So as the story goes, Robin Hood uh, is forced out into the woods uh, as the government, the corrupt government, takes over his family's uh, land and home. He's a, he's a master archer, and he lives off of the fat of the king's forest and steals his animals and steals some of his money. He becomes um, a fugitive, and then he becomes a leader of other guys just like him, landless, lawless type guys. There was little John. There was Friar Tuck. And I don't remember any of the other guys' names. Um, they, they were known as his band of merry men. Now, if you watch that version of, of Robin Hood, then you know that Friar Tuck had a wagon load of booze. And I think that's probably why they were a band of merry men, right? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Livers failed shortly thereafter. But for that, four, that little space of time, they, they were awesome. So today, uh, I want to kind of talk about another hero, kind of an action-type hero in the vein of Robin Hood. Uh, his stories in, 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 in are, are in the Bible. They're legendary. They are very similar to those attributed to Robin Hood. Um, it, it's a guy named David. We know him as King David. We know him as the great king of the nation of Israel, um, the second king after, after Saul. And before all of this, he, he explodes onto the national scene as the killer of the giant uh, Goliath. After he does this, after he kills this giant, uh, he enters into the service of his king, uh, King Saul. And Saul is so pleased with him. Verse Samuel 18 says that whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And this pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. So David's renown became so pronounced, so prominent quickly in the culture that the women would sing songs about him. And they would sing a song that said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And of course, if you're the king, you don't like this song, right? You're like, wait a minute. No, no, no. Let's flip that and then I'll be cool with it. But they didn't sing it that way. And it wasn't very long before this kid who had served so well, so faithfully, so loyally, is marked as an enemy and Saul is trying to kill him. David ha is forced to flee out into the wilderness for his very life. He, his, his, his best friend, the king's son, Jonathan, says, dude, you got to go, man. They're, he's going to try to kill you. Run for your life. So David goes to a place called a cave called Adullam, Adullam, a very famous cave in the biblical record. Um, it's, it, it means a lot of things, but some of them said that the cave could house a thousand men. It was so large, and, and there was a cavern inside of it that was so large that it could see a, a thousand men. Now, the name Adullam likely comes from a Hebrew word meaning a refuge or a place of refuge, and a lot of biblical scholars 
have often said it's kind of a type of the local church, that it's a place where you can run to for refuge. It's a place that you can go when you don't know what to do. It's a place you can find a, a, a band of friends. And, and, uh, and, and every time, so every time I say the word cave today, I just want you to think church. And if, you, if you're comfortable thinking life point, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to be. We may not be there yet, but we're trying to get there. So anyways, like Robin Hood, um, David develops out in the wilderness, in the cave, he develops uh, an incredible following of, of men. Men begin to gather around him. They would bring their families if they had them, kids if they had them. And now these men were not the top of the, of, of the heap. They were not the sort of pick of the litter. They were not the warriors of the day. They did not have all their stuff together. In fact, this is what the Bible says about them, 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. All of those in the country of Israel, all of those who were in, would you say these three words with me? Were in distress or in debt, or discontented, gathered around him, and he became their leader. And the Bible says there was about 400 of them, 400 men who were distressed, in debt, and discontented. And they become these, these kind of ragtag, haggard group of men who are jacked up in a lot of ways. They become known ultimately as David's mighty men. I want you to think about, um, I want you to think about uh, Mel Gibson in, in, in Braveheart. I want you to think about the other dude. And what's the other dude movie that we all like? Um, anybody? Rambo. Not Rambo. What's the other one? <laughs> Terminator. Not, forget it. Let's just pretend like I didn't come up with that. Can't believe I can't come up with it. Eh, I can't come up with it. Uh, anyways, so I'm really distressed that I can't think about that. Add me to the list of distressed people. Anyways, Gladiator, thank you very much. Dear God, it was Gladiator, y'all. Help a brother out. ADD, man. Anyways, my wife should have known this and helped a brother out, but I'm not going to say anything because she's right there. Anyways. <laughs> Except I just did. Anyways. So. I want to talk to you today, we're declaring war on the stuff that we don't like, that's part of our lives, that's holding us back, that's holding us hostage, that's making us less than the guys we want to be. And ladies, you can, you can listen in too. This is not just for the fellows, but it's mostly to the fellows, all right? Uh, we're declaring war on 3D. And the three Ds are these words, distressed, in debt, and discontented. The 3D. Now, they go, they come into the cave, with their future king, who's already been anointed king, he's just not been appointed king yet. Um, and they're ultimately going to do that. But they come into the cave for a refuge, to find hope, to find help, to find mission, to get on mission, to be transformed. They, all of this happens in the cave, which again is a kind of a type, scholars say, of the church. Now, notice the narrator can't think of anything good to say about him. He just says, well, they're distressed, they're in debt, and they're, they're discontented. Um, but something happens to these guys in the cave. So these, let's talk about these three days today. They are the, these are the three things that are some of the primary fruits and or the roots of so many of the other things that, that, are, that we're trying to fight against throughout the series that we've been talking about, we're trying to fight. These, a lot of these are, there, are the root or, or a fruit of those. And so we, these are three things that as we wrap up this series that we're going to declare war on uh, in our life. Let's start with the word discontent. It's not the first, it's the third, but we're going to start making the first. Now, the word actually comes from a, another word, or two words rather, 
which in short means bitter souls, right? Bitter souls. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I think there's probably a lot of us who would say at various points in my life, I could relate to that where I just felt like, man, I'm so disappointed in how life is going, or I'm so disappointed that I put so much faith in this person only to be smoked or burned. I'm so disappointed that, that I thought this was the career for me, and I, and I really I hate it at a soul level. I don't want to do it, but it's the only thing I know how to do. It's the only way I can provide my family. And, and some of that can become so deeply rooted that it becomes a kind of bitterness that threatens to take root in my very soul and drag me into the darkness. And now, this had to be an issue amongst David's men, or the narrator wouldn't have said this is who they were. This is what they were. I'm sure it was a big issue because it's a big issue now, all the way here now. Men who are, and I see this all across the culture, men who are restless, men who can't find their place, who can't find their mission, or they have a place, they feel like their mission, but they don't, they're not sure about it, they're not confident in it. Men who have stuff just kind of rolling around on the inside that they're not sure what it is, but it's just leaving them feel, feeling less than or, or malcontent. Men who have a great, are, are sort of a general bad taste in their mouth about how life has turned out so far and, and what they dreamed of becoming but haven't yet. And, and there are men here in this room and they'll be here all day who had dream, who have dreams and plans and ideas and, and mountains to climb and places to see. And, and when we were young, what's around the next bend? And, and, and how am I going to build my world? And what will life hold? And then, and then, for some of us, life happens. Like shortcuts that we took that we thought were going to get us there faster that ended up as in, in the ditch. Stuff we never counted on. Things that, we didn't, that didn't go our way. Dreams that haven't been fulfilled. Money. Come on, somebody give me a witness that hadn't come in yet. Come on, somebody, right? I'm playing the lottery. That's probably not the best way. But anyways, all right. But if you win, you know, brother tithe, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyways, uh, I'm just saying. Uh, we, we got a building down the road that we're trying to build. Oh, by the way, the building, man, has walls inside of it now, y'all. Come on. Woo! If you're new or if this is your first time, we're building a building just down this road about two miles down on the left side. And, man, every day we get to see stuff happen. It's really, really cool. So thank you. Let me uh, go down there and see it. Y'all go down there and see that thing. Um, but go wear a hard hat, all right? So otherwise they'll kick you out. Anyways, um, so, but, but, but we, get, we, get, we have these. I'm so distracted from my own message right now. Um, this, this discontentment that a lot of guys feel leads to a loss of passion for life. Think about that. And what happens to, fe- to men and women who lack passion around the things that matter in life, what happens to us is we will try to uh, fabricate passion. We will try to become passionate about things and about money and about uh, illicit things that we shouldn't be passionate about. And, and we'll think, these will fill me up, these will inspire me, and, and it ends up that none of them do. Not, not ultimately, not in an ultimate way. D- discontentment. How long I got to work a job I don't like? It's, it's discontentment. It seems that other people get breaks that I never get. What's, when's it going to be my turn? Discontentment. Why do I have to drive that car? Discontentment. Why do I got to live in that house? Discontentment. Why do these got to be my friends? Come on, somebody. All right. Discontentment. You're like, well, why do I got to be your friend then? That's, I'm discontented too, you know? It's what, maybe if you're married, it's what your wife would say, you know, you just, sometimes you're just moody. That's it. It, It's what you call a lack of contentment. It's dissatisfaction with your life circumstances. And for some of us, even right now, it's so deeply rooted that it's it's bitter soul. 
And these men, they show up in this cave with that discontentment. But when you read through the end of their stories, they leave the cave like, like on mission. We, we read their exploits that they go on to do. And it's like an action movie. It's like the best movie ever. It's like even hard to believe. Like what? They did this and that and the other thing. But, but, but something happened to their discontentment in the cave with their future king, David. They found purpose. They found mission. They found meaning. They, they came together. They didn't just try to be, you know, the Lone Ranger, one man wonder. They, they joined teams. They got involved. They, they stopped just focusing on themselves and, and maybe what they didn't have yet. And much of what they did, as you read the story, was designed to serve others, to protect their families, to help their nation, to help their people. They found a cause in the cave that pushed them past their discontentment. And in the cause, they found a meaning in their life that made them feel better about their lives. Something happens to our discontentment when we take the focus off of ourselves and we put it on others. And maybe the takeaway for some of you who would say, you know what, there is some discontentment in my life. Maybe the takeaway is that you just got to get involved with some stuff that's bigger than you. You got to learn to be appreciative and joyful and grateful for what you have. But beyond that, that's the sort of normal stuff. I think it's so important that you get on mission and and start serving the people, the purposes of, of God, of your king, right? To get involved, to join a team. You can do that right here in this church or you can find places all around our city that are doing amazing work. We have so many partners that we work with at LifePoint that are doing incredible work. And you could say, man, I want to get involved with there. We got a serve day coming up. They yelled about it on our, on our announcements a while. They're like, join serve day. But they didn't tell you what that was. July the 13th. Man, we got all of these service projects where we're going to serve and love on our city. And we want you to join in. You can do that. And that might help in this whole thing. And, and, and I would like to say this, that discontentment can be a fuel for so many bad things that we end up doing, but it can also be the fuel for so many uh, great God things that we could end up doing where you say, you know what, no, I declare war on discontentment in my life. I'm going to leave this Father's Day different. I'm going to be marked by by this idea that whatever it takes, I'm going to join up with a cause bigger than me. You know what we've seen? We've seen even over the last several months, we, we, we used to have mostly one or two men at the most who would serve at Kids Point. This is just one area. But all of a sudden, we've got five or six men up there serving, and these guys are turning it upside down. Our women have been, our ladies have been doing amazing. Without the ladies, we wouldn't have kids ministry, frankly. But some dudes are getting it inside their heads, and I'm telling you, man, they're making a difference up there. So I'm just saying, get involved. Galatians 6, 9 says, Paul says, let us not grow weary while what? Doing good, for in due season, we're going to reap if we don't lose heart. And that lose heart idea is that discontentment. You can't lose heart while you're trying your best to raise kids. It's hard to raise kids, guys. I know it. I'm a a dad, too. And and it's hard to do that right, and and we don't always get it right, and we can lose heart. But but if we'll just stand strong and we'll do war against the stuff that's kind of breaking us down, man, we're going to reap a harvest if we don't lose heart, all right? Now, the next D is debt. And it's often discontentment that gets us in trouble with debt. Is that right or not? Yes. Like, ah, this car, man, it was cool one year ago. But now, that one's, they came out with a new body style. So therefore, I'm going to trade it in, take a massive loss on this, and get this new truck, which costs $700 billion. You guys know what I'm saying? You guys remember when trucks were like 14 grand? Is it just me? It's like two days later, they're 14 million grand. Seriously, trucks are more expensive than RVs. And you can't even take your family out into the woods with them. 
Well, I guess you could, but they'll all be miserable sleeping in the bed. Anyways, of the truck. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. Let me just keep moving, right? Debt. All right, that's what I'm going to do. I'm talking about debt. Thank you. David, David finds out that all these men, he didn't have a tribe, he didn't have a group, and all of a sudden he's got a group. But they've come in, man, and they're overloaded with debt. And these are guys probably who had, who had borrowed against maybe their family's prop, their ancestral properties, or maybe they had borrowed from the, the local rich guy thinking, if I could just get a little bit of money, I could buy my way out of poverty. Um, but maybe the crops failed, or maybe the animals thing didn't work out, and, and they lost it all. And so now, because there was a thing called debtor's prison in those times, now it was run to the, to the wilderness or go to debtor's prison because we, we, we gambled and lost. And this is what they're up against. And David was able to take these debt-ridden men and turn them into mighty men. And I want to say this because this is so important that, fellas, uh, uh, that, that we will never have real control uh, over our lives or in our lives until we have control of where our money goes. Thank you, Juan. I was just waiting to see if anybody would go, yeah, that's right, man. That's right, yeah. The first service, all the ladies were like, yes, amen, right? Because maybe the truck thing got to them or whatever. I don't know, right? But listen to me. If we overload our lives with debt because we think we got, because we're discontent and because we're watching TV and because every commercial is designed to create, but you guys understand that the commercials are designed to make you feel less than about what you already have, right? Like, I'm going to eat this burger, but look at that one. That one's better. Put this one in the trash and let's go out and have that burger. And then we spend $57. At, remember when you could go to lunch or, or for like $4.93? And now it's $49.33 to go, right? But discontentment fuels that and, and, and it gets us in debt. Like, see, here's what I believe. The enemy knows that he's not going to get us to maybe cheat on our spouse or to get addicted to some stuff. But what he can do is, is just as powerful is that he can bury us under a discontentment which leads to debt. And all of this stuff can cause calamity because debt becomes this massive distraction in our lives. And a distraction is part of the tactic of the enemy to get you off mission. That's what he does. What can I do? If I can't, if I can't destroy them, then I heard Craig Rochelle say this week, I'll distract them. I'll distract them off of their mission. And that's what debt does. And so debt looks, David looks at the men who had joined him and realizes, not only do I have to train them in how to fight and weaponry and war, but i got to train them about life. i got to teach them about what, how money works. And so these mighty men of the cave later become the mighty men of David's administration. These guys become cabinet-level leaders administrating the entire kingdom under David's reign. And, and part of what it means to find refuge in the cave is to, is to get our financial worlds in order so that some of us need to say, today, I declare war on debt in my life. Like, you need to say that. I declare war on debt in my life. Whatever it takes, I'm going to work hard. I know it's going to take a long time. I know it's going to be painful, but I will eliminate debt in my life. And I have to say this because I'm a pastor and this is my job to tell you what God says. Listen, as much as I know, listen, if you don't put God first with your money, right, and, and follow his plan for your money, I'm just telling you that that's the same thing as saying to God, hey God, I don't need your help in my financial world. I got this. And listen, I don't know about you. I don't want 
I don't want to say that to God. So this is a fight that we have to take on if it's a problem for us. And we, are, we have folks, by the way, here who are prepared to help you do that. We got some folks in this church um, that will meet with you one-on-one. And I know that's like, oh, it's embarrassing. Like they don't know you and you don't know them. Get over it, right? You go to a, you'll go to a doctor to get help with your junk. And like if you're a dude, it's embarrassing up in there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe the women... It, you go to the doctor, like, just go step up and get some help. That's all I'm saying. There are, there are plenty of people in this church right now who are getting one-on-one counseling with how to eliminate debt in their life or how to make a budget or whatever. Go by Next Step Central on the way out. Don't be embarrassed. Just step up and declare warrant. But you got to declare warrant with somebody else's help. Come on, y'all. You with me today? All right. I know you're ready to eat barbacoa, but let's hang on for just one more minute because i got one more D. All right, ready? Distress. Now, this is the heavy-duty one, all right? This word distress just means... That they were in extreme anxiety, sorrow, pain, stressed out by life, probably showed up sleepy, tired because they can't sleep because they're worried about where debt has gotten them into or all of the discontentment in their life. They're just stressed out. And they show up to the cave in distress, serious anxiousness. Distress, where does it come from in our lives? Maybe it's not making enough money. Maybe there's more bill than there is month. Or is it the other way around? More month than there is money. Something like that. Somebody should make a song, right? Can't live up to somebody's expectations. Maybe your own expectations. Maybe unable to provide at the level that you had always dreamed of or the way you feel like your family deserves. Maybe you're like, I need a mentor in life, but I don't know how to find one. And even if I could find one, I don't know how to treat them. I don't know what to ask them. I don't know how to get help. I don't know what to do. Distress over... Maybe some obstacle that's in your pathway right now that you don't know how to get around. You're like, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what the answer is. Some of you may feel stress in your life because you feel like your spouse doesn't respect you or kind of talks down to you, makes you feel dumb or whatever. Maybe it's your kids and you're like, man, my kids don't respect me. And maybe, maybe that makes you feel like a failure on some level. By the way, that's, that's kind of how it feels, kids, when you don't respect your families. Anyways, just throwing that out there. Never got and still don't have the affirmation from a father in life that maybe could have changed the outlook that I have. You just, dad never said, hey, son, I'm proud of you. Dad never said, I I love you, son. Or dad wasn't there at all. And that's created some stress in your life. Trying to lead your kids, you know, in a good way, but you feel like, man, I don't even have my own life on track. Maybe you're dealing with some past failure or a a loss of somebody that was dear and near to you in your life and you just can't quite move past that. Maybe it's a recurring sin or, or an addiction issue. It's distress, and, you're, and you don't feel like a mighty man. You don't feel like a warrior. You feel like less than. All of this stuff creates worry and anxiousness and stress. And, and this is what was happening with these men as they walked into that cave. Distressed. And this is what's happening in our culture more than ever, that the anxiousness and worry and fear, anxiety and fear and worry are just sort of the new normal. And people just take it on like, it's, like we have no control over it. So listen to me carefully. Let me just talk about worry for a minute. Worrying, and, and Levi Lusco deals with this in the book, worrying just makes you worse. It doesn't make things better, right? Worry has never made you better prepared to face the thing that's worrying you, right? Sitting there still and going, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do about this thing. It's never made you better prepared for that. 
I would argue, in fact, that it's made you less prepared because you're giving room in your head, which could be used creatively to solve problems. You're giving room in your head um, to, 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 to just worry and fret. In our country, we just accept worry as the new normal, as though we have nothing that we can do about it. Did you know that in our day, one out of five Americans, one out of five, 22% actually, um, have a drug problem? An illicit drug problem. One out of five have an addiction to drugs that they're looking for relief or help from all of the distress, all the discontentment, all the debt, whatever it is. And it's not just illicit drugs, by the way. It's prescription drugs. Did you know that one out of 10 Americans, one out of 10 of us is on an antidepressant or anxiety medication of some sort? And I'm not doing this to, to throw you under the bus. Not at all. Zero, zero, zero. And now pain medication, usually in the form of opioids, has become the number one cause, just beat out for the first time over the last couple of years, beat out car accidents as the number one cause of accidental death in America. People who are looking to pain pills and overdosing on them, trying to numb the emptiness, the pain, the hurt in their lives, and they're dying from it in record numbers. And it's, it's, a, it's an absolute, if you don't know this, just put your head out of the sand and go look at the data. It's, it's absolutely overwhelming small-town America all over the place. Just overwhelming us. And you have all of these factors sort of swirling together, making this, this wicked, wicked cocktail and, and people are going downward and darker and darker and darker. And for so many of them, so many people suicide. You're like, what kind of Father's Day message is this? we got to talk about this stuff, you guys. Like most of you have people in your life or you know people in your life or you've had family members in your life who've gone down that road. You know the pain of this. we got to talk about this, right? And, and some of us have gotten to the place in life where we're getting closer where suicide seems like a viable option to escape all of this. You, you know the CDC... Um, Center for Disease Control says that suicide in the last 20 years in one generation has gone up by 25% in our country. And we got a lot of military men and women in this room today, and you know, most of you know somebody in your world that was part of your world that's taken their life. It's, a, it's an epidemic amongst military men and women. And we, got, we got to stop and go, whoa, 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 whoa. There's got to be a place. There's got to be somewhere where you can talk about what's going on in your life. There's got to be a, a safe place where I can say, man, I'm really hurting or I'm really struggling because too many people, are don't, they don't run to a cave. They run to a cave inside themselves and there's nobody in there to help them out of that. Can, can, I, can we just be, that, be honest like that on this day? This is a war that is being waged on us that the enemy, our spiritual enemy, he's behind all of this. It's not just the stress of the world. It's an enemy whose mission, John 10, 10 says, is to, is to seek to steal, kill, and destroy us. This is why we're taking a series saying, I declare war. This is why we're singing an old Tom Petty song, I Won't Back Down. That, that, this is a, this, that song was used for a lot of things, but in our case today, it's a declaration. Listen, spiritual enemy. Listen, world. Listen, pressure. I will not back down. I will stand my ground in the name of Jesus. By the authority of the name of Jesus, I will stand up and I'll fight back against all of this. Amen, somebody, right? I declare war against the enemy who's declared war on me. Amen, somebody? 
Like he, the, the enemy doesn't want you to build. He doesn't want you to reach. He doesn't want you to dream. He doesn't want you to stretch. He's a murderer. He's a liar. The Bible says he's the father of lies. He wants to take you out and keep you from doing what King Jesus, who died on a cross, right, for you, uh, what his plans are for your life and for mine. And this is the type of thing as men we don't want to talk about. No man likes to admit that he's dealing with fear or anxiousness or anxiety or depression. We want to say, ah, oh, now I got this. We can handle it. But a lot of times we can't. And it's taking guys out. It's taking them out. And we got to say, no, 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 I declare war. And by the way, if I don't need it for me right now in this area, then I'm going to declare a war with you. I got your back, man. I'll stand with you. I'll fight for you. I'll hold, I'll hold your hand up if that's what you need. But I will not let the enemy take you out. And that's why we do small groups, by the way, guys. That's why we got, we got, a men, we got men's small groups going on right now that are powerful, man. Get involved and find a place that you can talk about your stuff. L last part of this. You know, for me, just realistically, a lot of the distress that comes in my life, frankly, is in my control. Not all of it is, but a lot of it is. And it just comes from me not taking care of what I can take care of. For, for me, not getting enough sleep, that's my number one issue. Just can't sleep a full night most of the time. Just whatever, stress, too much caffeine, whatever. It just sabotages me. The, the other thing that my doctors tell me is that I don't, we don't hydrate, I don't hydrate enough. Not drinking enough water, because I like me some tea. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Man, like if I could walk around with a bag of, of tea, like on an IV pole, I would just do that. <laughs> just dehydrate myself even more. No, no, I'm drinking, drink. No, it's dehydrating you, Dan. Just be walking, just as long as it's chilled, you know what I'm saying? And it was from Starbucks or Bill Miller. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Bill Miller? Anyway. Love some Bill Murray tea. Not get enough water. So, so, so here, here's a takeaway, all right? Here's a takeaway. Just one takeaway. The, the number 888. Stuff you know. Fight for eight hours of sleep. Yeah, bro, but that movie. Yeah, but that Netflix. Yeah, but that video game. Dude, grow up already. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I just made a lot of enemies right there. I don't get it, but that's not, I, I, I'm old, I'm old, I, I know, I'm old. But a lot of you are staying up doing stuff that's not moving the ball forward. It's not moving the needle. It's just taking away your sleep. I didn't get any amens from the wind, but I thought I might. But you're like, oh, I'm, I'm scared to go down that road, but thank you for doing it. Anyways, um, eight hours of sleep, eight glasses of water, you know that. And then this is the most important one. What if the first eight minutes of my day were given to Jesus? Because, because these men walked into the cave and they were in the presence of the anointed king, the, the anointed king. He was the anointed king. And they spent time, they were in proximity with the king and something about being in the cave with the king, when they left out there, it changed them. Do you, do you know why it changed them? I don't have time to read this. Second Samuel 23 says that David killed Goliath. We knew that. We already knew that David killed Goliath. But check out this. His mighty men... No one had ever killed a Goliath-type a, a Goliath guy before. Apparently there was a whole a group of them. Uh, maybe their dad was named Rapha. We don't really know. Or maybe the area was called Rapha. It was in a town called Gath. There was giants there. They saw, Moses, saw, Mo, uh, Moses, when he sent the spies in, they saw it. Not Moses, Joshua. When they, they saw the giants there in the land. And Goliath was one of them. 
David kills a, 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 a giant, and all of a sudden, by proximity to a guy who's already done this, four other guys do it. <laughs> this is amazing. Ishbi Banab, one of the descendants of Rapha, he was a giant whose bronze spearhead weighed 300 shekels and was armed with a new sword, said he'd kill David. But Abishai, son of Zerulai, Zeruiah, sorry, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. One giant's down. There, there was another guy in, which took place at Gath in a battle. A huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all. By the way, this is an actual disease. I read about it today. I was like, what? That can't be right. It's an actual disease. He also was descended from Rapha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. These four were descendants of Rapha, giants, and Gath, and they all fell at the hands of David and his mighty men. Such was David's potency, his, 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 his contagiousness, that his confidence, being in the proximity of the king, his confidence was contagious, so the guys thought, if he could do it, I could do it. And they go out and do it. But it's not just proximity to David's mighty deeds, but it was proximity to David's, his heart that he was aimed at, pointed at. Because David was a man after God's own heart. David was a worshiper. He, matter of fact, he instituted much of the worship experiences that you and I experience now. The songs, the hands lifted. He jumped for joy. He danced for joy. The Bible says he danced with all of his might. He did all this. He introduced a lot of that on, into the nation of Israel. And so those guys would see in the cave, they would see David singing songs, praising, praising his God. God, I thank you. And you, you can read his psalms. Some of them were written from the cave, by the way. And you can imagine as they see this guy, the king, the, the heir apparent, this, this, this man of valor, this, this incredibly gifted warrior who's strong enough, manly enough to raise his hands and declare his praise and his greatness. And as God's presence would have come into that room, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty, there's hope, there's help, there's grace. These guys would have said, not only do we have proximity to our king with a little K, we see him getting proximity to the king. And his worship, his worship became a kind of weapon that no enemy could defeat. Nobody could defeat the presence of God in David's life. And worship isn't just a tool in your arsenal. Worship is the war. Because listen to me, the enemy wants to steal God's glory. And part of the way God gets glory is when men stand up in a service like this and say, I declare war, and I declare war with my worship. I will be a man of honor. I will get close to the king. I will be a man who leads my family spiritually. If I don't like the temperature in my home, I will change it by proximity to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.